The Lord has compelled me to have this conversation with you regarding vessels of honor. The vessels of honor in the church at this hour because he has made me know that there are certain benchmarks, there are certain requirements, there are certain standards that the Lord has now set up that are required of the church at this hour. And in looking at the vessels of honor, you will occasionally hear me refer them to as the vessels for this hour. So vessels of the hour, vessels of God, vessels of Jehovah, vessels of the Lord, vessels of glory. You will hear me make several references to them. And in conversationing with you about vessels of honor, you will discover one thing. That I will anchor myself on getting rid of the yeast. That is going to be like the subtitle within the main message, Vessels of Honor. The subtitle then becomes Getting Rid of the Yeast. Hallelujah. Now, I want to begin at the baby steps. The first initial steps. How does the Lord look at Vessels of Honor? And what does the Lord define as vessels of honor? And what then would vessels of honor in the house of the Lord be at this hour? Hallelujah. And so I want to go to a very primary place an original place at which the Lord underscored for us the true significance and gravity of what it takes to be a vessel of honor. Hallelujah. Listen to me now. One time, when the children of Israel, when they were taken into Egyptian captivity, Egyptian slavery. It was not a coincidence. When the Lord had earlier on engaged with Abraham, engaged with Jacob, he told them that part of the covenanting with him Jehovah covenanting with Israel involved a long range, a long range forecast on the path that the house of Jacob would follow. 
and he spoke to them. I'm talking about the patriarchs. And he said that I will bless you, but at one time, your descendants will go into Egyptian slavery for some time. And when they enter into Egyptian slavery, they will be there for a dispensation. But when all things will be heavy on them, when the Egyptian slavery will be very cruel over their lives, then I, Jehovah, will now turn around and deliver the house of Israel, house of Jacob, from Egypt and bring you back to the promised land. So that was part of the covenant. And so when the house of Jacob went into Egyptian slavery, it was not accidental, coincidental. It was a well-orchestrated and well-planned path of the Lord for the children of Israel. And now listen to this. It was during that time when they were in Goshen, Egyptian slavery, that at one time, their slave masters became excessively brutal, abusive, and cruel over them. Why? Because their population was increasing much faster. So it became a demographic war. And you see right now, even in Israel and in the Arab world, in the Promised Land, in that whole region, there is a very serious demographic war going on. Let's have more children vote them out. There's some kind of demographic war going on. So the Egyptian slave masters became very cruel. And it was during the height of that cruelty that the children of Israel remembered it all of a sudden occurred to them that, hey, isn't Jacob our father? Isn't he known for the covenant he raised with the Lord? They said, hey, is it the God of heaven known as the God of Jacob? Didn't the God of our father Jacob make a covenant with us? Hallelujah. And that is when they remembered. And then they activated that covenant. And in that covenant, they began to cry out to Jehovah, the God of Jacob. And when they cried out to the God of Jacob, because of the heavy weight, Pensik, Pensar, very heavy, 
because of the heavy weight, heavy burden of the Egyptian slavery. Then the Lord heard their cry. And so it is during this conversation between Jehovah and the house of Israel that we are going to underscore, you are going to see the Lord underscore the significance of constructing or building unto him the process of designing vessels of honor. So when the house of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord decided to raise unto them Moses, the man of God. Moses, the prophet of Jehovah. And it was during that time when Moses was summoned by the Lord to receive forth instruction that he should take to the house of Jacob that finally we see the building of the vessels of honor. Now listen to me here. The Lord gave Moses the following instruction to deliver to the house of Jacob. It's a message, a messenger now. Now, this is the instruction that the Lord gave to the house of Jacob. See, tell them, number one, that their cry has reached me. Which means, I have heard their cry. I have heard their clamor. Number two, tell them that because I have heard their cry, I am now willing to deliver them from that cruelty. Number three, tell them, however, that if I come to deliver them from the Egyptian cruelty, slavery, I must do so at the midnight hour. Number four, when I come at the midnight hour, they must put in place the following. In other words, the Lord was talking about preparing for the midnight hour. Then he said, they must slaughter a lamb without defect, without deformity actually. Number two, and when they slaughter a lamb without deformity, defect, they must take the blood of the lamb without defect and sprinkle on their door frames and the door posts of the houses wherein they live. Hallelujah. Number three, that's now within, that's a subsector of what I'm handling about the instruction for the midnight hour. They must eat bread without yeast. Number four, within the subsection we are handling on the midnight hour, how to prepare. They must eat leaves of affliction, bitter herbs of affliction. Hallelujah. And so, precious people, it was during that conversation that I want now to bring to you, to bring to your attention, the gravity of vessels of honor unto Jehovah. 
And in the process, you should be able to appreciate, at the end of this, you should be able to appreciate how much work the church ought to do right now to construct vessels of honor unto Jehovah in the house at this hour. Now, listen again. When the Lord was instructing the house of Jacob on how to build on deliverance, the midnight deliverance, essentially how to build forth a vessel of honor. Listen. It was so key to understand what was in the mind of Jehovah. It's concealed. It's veiled up right now. But in this walk that we'll walk here, then you see the principle, the main objective for the deliverance of Israel. Hallelujah. I am beginning to read now. Exodus chapter 12 verse 8. Just to touch on the first scripture. As we begin this journey and conversation on vessels of honor. So Exodus chapter 12 verse 8 is very significant in this conversation. Vessels of honor in the church. What ought them to be? How significant are they unto Jehovah? And at this hour. Listen. Again. I'm reading Exodus 12 verse 8. Exodus chapter 12 verse 8. It says. The same night. They are to eat meat roasted over the fire. Which means sacrificed by fire. The same night they are to eat meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. So for me that underscoring is very key in this conversation that I'm building here for you. Listen to this now. Why was Jehovah speaking this? To understand why he was speaking this, Exodus Chapter 9. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. We can read 4 verses. That you may understand why the Lord was now saying that they need to prepare and anyhow eat meat roasted on fire, bitter herbs, bread without yeast. Exodus 9, listen, to, I'll just read a few verses. This is what he says from verse 1 to verse 4. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, which means the Egyptian king, the king of Egypt. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. Did you understand me, somebody? And he says, If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels. 
and on your cattle and sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction, a difference, between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. Can we just stop there for a moment? Now, you see the first instruction, the clamor, the cry for deliverance. Look, slavery is too heavy. Please, Jehovah, the God of Israel, can you remember the covenant with Jacob and deliver us? And then the Lord said, yes, I am willing to deliver you. You understand? And when I deliver, I need the following instructions implemented. But therein, the underlying, the underpinnings of that whole conversation on deliverance, they call it the undercurrent, the real current that drives this, you know, is what we have just read here in chapter 9. Because in chapter 9 now, we see that actually Jehovah was in essence, longing for worship. He was longing to have the house of Jacob come out and worship him. That was the underlying factor for deliverance. It was not deliverance per se. Did you understand me? So he was saying, tell him, let my people go. And so you see, that Moses was now sent to tell them about the midnight deliverance. But however, the Lord had already set out that the key objective, the key factor in this deliverance is going to be worship. I am longing for worship. So when you look at chapter 9, and then you look at chapter 12 that we read, and you compare the notes, you see that they are consistent with one another. That chapter 9, the longing for worship, and then chapter 12 of Exodus, the purifying for worship, they are one. So actually, the Lord was trying to build forth a vessel of worship. Did somebody hear me? When he told Israel the midnight instructions, and he said, the blood, you remember? Sprinkle the blood on the doorposts and door frames. So that was essentially to prepare a vessel that can worship him. When he said, stop henceforth from today. Don't ever eat bread with yeast. But now eat the bread, the holy bread, unleavened bread. He was trying to get rid of the yeast. That the vessel may be available for holy worship. We know that yeast is everything about sin and defilement. When he was saying, eat bitter herbs, he was actually telling them that there will be a process of separation. You understand me? So let me make this clear to you, precious people. This conversation on the vessels of honor in the church you can see the foretelling of this conversation in this scripture here. That the Lord has certain requirements regarding vessels of honor. 
He could not take Israel and tell Israel, just move out there and just go and worship me. He could not do that. The Lord cannot violate his own nature, his own laws. The laws of Jehovah have decreed that Jehovah, he is holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. Those are the laws of the Lord. So you cannot mix. So he had to prepare the house of Jacob for the holy worship. And that's why the yeast was being cast away. Being cast. You understand? He said, and remove yeast. And the blood was being affirmed. And bread, the holy bread, bread of the presence was now being spoken about. And so, if you want to translate this now in the first baby steps, what then now is the message to the church with regard to vessels of honor, the vessels for this hour? Then right away you can see that the Lord is using this to speak, to say that, look, at this hour in the church, you remember the blood on the door? Sprinkling on the door frame, doorpost. The perfect lamp has been slaughtered. And do you remember the midnight deliverance? Now look at this now. There was a short interlude between when the blood was sprinkled and when the midnight deliverance took place. However, there was an extrapolated deliverance into the promised land. In fact, it took 40 years. I want you to understand this very carefully. Blood is poured. I want you to bypass the midnight hour. Entry into Canaan. Do you remember that? And if you look very carefully, all of it was characterized by purification. Did somebody see that? In one day, 23,000 were killed. At one place, the soil opened, they were swallowed. At one place, the stone tablet that Moses was carrying, he split it down. You see that? With anger. At one place, they murmured, said, but Lord, you know, at this time in Egypt, I would be eating hot bread from a bakery, and I would be eating cucumbers. Eh? There was a conformity. There had been a conformity within the house of Jacob in such a way that she had conformed into the Egyptian lifestyle, the Egyptian slavery. And so, this entire process, the process of delivering the house of Jacob into the land of Canaan, was essentially a purification that was intended to deconform, deconform, deconform the house of Jacob from the Egyptian lifestyle. Hallelujah. And reconform the new conformation now into the heavenly worship that would take place on Mount Moriah. It was about worship. Now look at this now. The blood shed on the door, shed and poured on the door, sprinkled, the midnight hour, and then the extrapolation of deliverance into Canaan. Let me bring in the church now. 
Have you ever known that the church of Christ right now is in this dispensation between when the blood had been poured and the midnight deliverance? Is somebody aware of this? Again, let me repeat this. Had you ever known, has it ever occurred to you that the location of the church in this scripture, the church is in the interlude between, in fact, close at the midnight side of the clock, between when the blood was poured and sprinkled on the door and the midnight deliverance. Because the church also finds herself right now waiting for the midnight hour to strike. But I want to emphasize on the extrapolation. While the extrapolation of the process to enter Canaan took what it took, for us, we don't have the opportunity. We don't have the chance. We don't have the luxury like Israel had. Because once the midnight hour will strike, the church will instantly enter the heavenly worship. So you won't have that extrapolation. So you cannot say, no, of the window, I will reform across there, whatever. You don't have that. Number two, listen to this now. For the church, you have a shorter time to prepare, to make sure that when the midnight hour strikes, everything in you is perfect. You don't have the luxury. That is absolutely very critical for you to understand. Why would the Lord do that? Let me explain to you why. Why would he now be hard on the church when he gave the house of Jacob the window, that window of purification in the wilderness? He took this interlude, this interlude, between the blood sprinkled and the midnight hour. Then he took the entire wilderness experience and he started here. And then it's a shorter interlude. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse. There is nothing you will fail to do here that you will tell me now that when the midnight strikes and we are between here and heaven, then I will change. Forget it. The preparation has to be done now. And that's why many times, instead of saying prepare, when I go out to those nations, I tell them, the door is still open, just enter. I always tell them, just enter. If you say that on that day I will enter, that day he just comes to do what? Close the door. To shut the door. In fact, the announcement I brought you people is the announcement that the door is soon going to close. If you listen very well to this conversation between Jehovah and the church, this conversation is essentially saying the door is going to shut. But let's move on now to the next level. So look at this now. The Lord is saying, He's saying, if He prepared the house of Jacob as a glorious vessel, a special vessel to worship Him, that means that the vessels of honor in the church, they actually ought to be vessels of worship. Let me put it better here. That the only honor that a vessel can behold is worship. Because in this whole conversation, my primary objective is to define to you what vessels of honor in the church today, what they are. 
with the anticipation that when I will define to you what vessels of honor are, you will be supernaturally compelled to want to interrogate, to investigate your churches. You say, are we really vessels of honor? Once you've known the benchmarks of the Lord, then you can see, uh, do we measure up the benchmarks, the standards, right? So the Lord is essentially saying that a vessel that is worthy honor is a vessel that exudes forth worship. Let me put it better. I repeat. The Lord is saying that the only way a vessel can behold honor is when it is a vessel of worship. So do you see the centralization of worship now? And then, already you can understand one other thing I've not mentioned here. It has come out in the open. It has now come out that actually God creates all vessels. Jehovah creates all vessels. That's what has just come out. And the other thing that is shooting forth from here is that whereas there are all vessels, many vessels, not all of them are vessels of honor. You see, that's what I'm trying to bring to you people. That Jehovah creates them all. But now there are certain requirements that a vessel has to strike, score, in order to become a vessel of honor. So you can see very clearly that as the Lord delivered the house of Jacob from Egypt, moving with her through the wilderness after the midnight hour deliverance, then he had essentially commanded the no yeast, removal of yeast sin, the bread of affliction, the herbs of affliction. As she went through, the Lord achieved two things. In other words, if you are going to become a vessel of honor, you have to achieve the following two things. There must be in you a spiritual separation. That's what he did with the house of Jacob in Egypt. He's talking about spiritual separation. Number two, that separation must bring forth affliction. That's why you see the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs now talks about, you know, I will separate you from your familiarity. You will cry, you will long, you will wish. Someone will groan, you know, but also from your slavery. So the Lord is always good at the end of it all. So in the process of that separation from your familiar life, the cucumbers, the chicken, the meat they were eating there, you can see that actually separated them from cruelty, from slavery. So in the final analysis, the Lord always has a good intention, right? So again, number one, spiritual separation. Number two, affliction in that separation. Number three, there must be physical separation realized. Physical separation must be achieved. Hallelujah. Now, what else did the Lord say to the house of Jacob that we can borrow from? I want first to cover this baby step. This is just a baby step. Now listen to this. We have seen how the Lord was engineering the house of Jacob. That he may build forth, construct forth a vessel of honor. You see that? But now I want to escalate you people, to bring you people to another level. Within the same context of the house of Jacob. So we may understand the underlying factors 
as the Lord relates to vessels of honor. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 2 to verse 4, very simple. You hear him talk there again. And listen to what he says now, that the twist in that conversation. He says, from verse 2, Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God, an animal from your flock or herd, at the place the Lord will choose as his dwelling for his name. Again, let me repeat that. Eh? Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God, an animal from your flock or herd at the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. You see that? So, why was he speaking like this? Let's read verse 3. He says, Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread. Bread made without yeast. The bread of affliction, he says, because you left Egypt in a haste, in a hurry, so that all the days of your life, you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Verse 4. Let no yeast be found in your possession in all your land for seven days. Do not let any of the meat you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain until morning. Let me just underscore some things here. Hallelujah. I am exuding with joy because I'm discussing this. And I know the church will be purified for the Lord. I know the Messiah will come to a glorious bride. He says, preparing the house of Jacob for midnight deliverance. And he gives us the reason for preparing her. Chapter 9, to worship, that she may become a vessel of worship. But in Deuteronomy now, chapter 16, verses 2 to 4, he says, however, never ever forget your deliverance. Always observe a memorial. Commemorate the day that you were delivered. So this is key to me. Because if you look at the history of the church, the Lord is talking about the midnight deliverance, the pouring of the blood, and the taking of her away. You see that? But, I bless the Lord because we are in between when the blood was poured and the midnight deliverance. Because then we can rectify things now. Here we have a chance. Here there's a window. Why? Because, he's saying, the true vessels of honor in the church are vessels that observe a memorial a remembrance commemoration anniversary of their deliverance the Lord is saying again watch my words he said, there is lack of amnesia in this church that is called the vessel of honor in other words, she remembers pretty well. 
the events at Calvary. And she remembers too well, the midnight is here. The Lord was telling the house of Jacob, never ever forget. Don't forget the events that have accrued there and your departure from Egypt. For us, we thank God the midnight has not struck. So, never ever forget what? The cross and the blood at Calvary. So I'm beginning stepwise because this is now the memorial. This is the commemoration, the remembrance. That's why you see in Israel for seven days they do this. They remember how the Lord delivered them. Hallelujah. But let me just move on now so I can get into the body of the message. Now, how does this translate into the church at this hour? Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11. I'm going to read that. Again, the book of Romans chapter 8, 9 and 11. What does he say there about vessels of honor? And everything we have seen about Israel. Romans 8, 9 to 11. This is what he says. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. He said, you, however, are not controlled with me no longer by the sinful nature anymore. That's what he says, you know. But by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. Did you understand? He's saying, by the way, you are not controlled anymore by the sinful nature. If at all, the Spirit of God lives in you. You understand the benchmark he's trying to set there? And I know where he's coming to, which is very key. And listen to what he says after that. He says, about the Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That's very powerful. When the Lord says, that like I did with Israel, to remove her out, to become a vessel of worship, so do I want to do with the church now. That she may separate out, step out, and become a vessel of worship for the hour. You see that? But, he is now telling us here, that actually, it is the Spirit of the Lord, that indeed, actually, anyway, it is the Spirit of the Lord, that anyway instructs worship in the church. That's what he's bringing here. You see the way he's trying to talk here now. He's now saying that, look, vessels of honor ought to be vessels of worship. But that worship has to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. He is redefining salvation here. And that to me is amazing and is awesome. You see that? Because this is the hour of refinement. Redefining. Refine to redefine again. Revive. You know? Repurify. Because he's saying this. Look at this now. He's saying, those in whom the spirit of the Lord lives, they don't submit to the jurisdiction of the sinful nature. That's what he's saying. And he takes it further on and says, however, if the Spirit of Christ liveth not, does not live in you, 
you are not followers of Christ. Oh, that is a big statement, I thought. In other words, he's saying, I want to redefine for you salvation. Followers of Christ, Christians. I want to bring to your attention at this hour that you cannot be a Christian unless you are spirit-filled. Oh, that is very powerful then. Eh? So that to me is key now. That is instrumental actually. It's very, very instrumental. Why does he say so? Why does he say so? Again, let me repeat it then I'll explain. He's saying that vessels of honor are actually vessels of worship. But you know the principle, the primary definition of worship in the Bible, that the Lord is at this hour seeking for worshippers. Those who will worship Him in the spirit and the truth. Did you understand it now? So you already know where we are headed to. In the centralization of the Holy Spirit. As He attempts to define to you what the vessels of honor ought to look like in the church. He has said, they must be beholders of worship. But now he's saying, they must be beholder of true worship, the spiritual worship. Let me bring it to you why. First Corinthians, before we go there. First Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 12 on. But you may understand this. First Corinthians, chapter 6, from verse 12 on. Again, he says... That the saltiness, the saltworthiness of a vessel is worship. That she be the beholder of worship. But now we are seeing a finer definition of the worship she ought to hold, right? Now, let me first move there before I come back again. In order to explain to you what he's talking about in Romans. In Romans 8, 9, I've spoken some very big things. I've said... We are redefining salvation today. And based on that, we're going to find out, are we really born again? But let me bring you where the genesis of that is, you know, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 on. And he says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. And you know that there he talks about fasting. And then he moves on to say, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And he moves on to say, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. You see that? The promise. That's a prophecy in the Bible. Say. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite with a prostitute? Never. Verse 16. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. Verse 17. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. The most important verse I was targeting is 18. So we are on verse 18. Where he says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. 
but he who sins sexually sins against his own body let me explain this now he is now saying that there is a vessel here and the vessel that he celebrates here is not anything we are going to shop out there and say can we find the vessel and be like he's saying that actually the vessel of worship the vessel of the lord is actually the body it is the body of christ did you understand me? it is the body of the believers it is your body the believer you the believer it is your body and so he's now saying this is the initial stage he begins by saying hey are you not aware that for this body for this vessel you behold sexual immorality is out did you understand when i said i'm going to anchor myself on getting rid of the yeast in other words he's saying this can damage the vessel this can defile the vessel that's the first thing he raises and then he says that the reason that damages the vessel is because all other sins a man commits are outside the vessel but he who sins sexually sins entro inside the vessel defiles the vessel so is of no use before the lord can i move it a notch higher he says this look at what he says now do you not know that your body is the temple meaning tabernacle of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god that is such a big statement i've said in regard to the vessels of honor he's now saying that the vessels of honor are called so they are ranked so with honor vessels of honor because as they behold worship it is actually the holy spirit that they contain did you understand me there and that's why in the beginning i said it is the holy spirit that ought to instruct their worship no i'm going to work with you on this one here because i want this to be well understood but look at this now he says this he says a vessel of honor is called vessel of honor because of what it contains and i began by saying she contains worship so then worship becomes the central theme defining the vessel of honor that makes her even qualified to be honor of honor you understand worship worship unto jehovah he craved for worship in chapter 9 of exodus and then he did chapter 12 to purify prepare for that worship and if you read chapter 9 he said i can do literally everything and anything under the earth but to get that vessel destroy the camels the sheep the what everything so in so doing you can be able to understand the things that matter most to the lord it is worship so worship cannot be defiled but anyway he says so vessels of honor are actually beholders of worship but he's saying that just a moment how do they worship then he says now are you not aware that they are actually the tabernacle of the holy spirit which means 
the honor that vessels of honor have let me put it better the treasure that vessels of honor have is owing to the holy spirit they contain did you understand now so that's why i said it will always boil down to the holy spirit it must always come down to the holy spirit as a central theme which means if you look at the church today he's saying the church that has not embraced the holy spirit is no vessel to the lord did you understand me that's how grave the situation is in the house of the lord he said if you have not beheld hearkened unto the holy spirit to direct your worship to be in you if you have not transformed into tabernacle of holy spirit in other words tabernacle of worship tabernacle of holy spirit you have no use to me and then based on the infilling indwelling of the holy spirit inside the vessel then he now comes up in romans chapter 9 and says hey by the way those who have been infilled of the holy spirit should not subscribe to the jurisdiction the dominion of the sinful nature the dominion of sin and you can use any of these as a yardstick to measure the church right now you'll find that many churches have not embraced the holy spirit right now yeah many churches no they have not they don't want rather because the holy spirit will rebuke them will show them the truth they are not interested many churches have not embraced they don't even teach about the holy spirit they don't know how to handle him and then you can see just using that yardstick you can see the multitude that's in tragedy the calamity going to hell and the few that will enter based on just that yardstick of the holy spirit number two he says that hey now vessels of honor are indeed vessels of worship or treasure treasure value before the lord because they contain the treasured holy spirit and the lord said for him don't even touch him nobody can touch the holy spirit then he moves to another notch and says by the way if you then have the holy spirit in you you cannot submit to the jurisdiction of sin and then he says hey for your own information in that context those who do not have the holy spirit are actually not born again that's why i said the redefining of salvation this is the awakening the lord is bringing to the church that the church may be awakened to the fact that hey the rules are changing because we serve a living god in the past god may have overlooked such ignorance but now he commands all men everywhere to repent do you see that happening that what he took lightly now he's tightening he say hey but how about entry now i want you to enter and that's why he's saying that i have to redefine salvation again born again being born again are you born again yes i'm born again then the question is ever since you became born again have you received the holy spirit oh i haven't even known that there is the holy spirit you see that that ought to be the answer the church gives us and that's why i'm saying that in this conversation the lord is underscoring one thing he's saying that the only treasure that a vessel can have to be able to translate into a vessel of honor before the lord is the holy spirit because once the holy spirit is there him he comes with one role to instruct worship to show us how to worship and then he's saying also that now if there is a church 
or a vessel, if you want to say, that does not contain the Holy Spirit at this hour, she is not born again. That's what he's saying here. And so then you can use that standard to measure salvation and find out that actually the majority of those who are in church are not born again. But at this place where the vessels of honor are being constructed, I'm soon going to bring to your attention the fact that the construction is not over. By the way, I'm going to surprise you with that. You'll find me saying that actually we are a working progress. It's a continuous process, building of the vessel. You cannot say, now I have gotten it. Now I have achieved it. Again, let me build this for you that you may understand well. The Lord is saying that whereas in Egypt he defined them and constructed them for worship, so is he doing here. But the only thing that he is saying here is that the nature of the worship has changed. The Holy Spirit is now available. The vessel of honor is now characterized by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit indwells the vessel of honor, then there are certain things that ought not to happen. Romans 8, years 8, you cannot subscribe to sin. And we know the sins, which are the yeasts I'm talking about here. Sexual immorality said is worse, because that's a sin which you commit entro inside. You see that? Now listen to this. So you now begin to understand that in the Lord's conversation about vessels of honor, he says, vessels of honor are actually spirit-filled. And the other thing he's bringing forth to you is that vessels of honor are born again. So it's not anymore anything. You just say, are you born again? Yes, I'm born again. No. There has to be certain standards that must come forth from you if you're born again. Hallelujah. If you are somewhere today and you have realized that you've fallen short of the glory of the Lord, of the holiness of the Lord, and of the ways of the Lord, and now you want to receive Him as Lord and Savior, please repeat this prayer with me. Say, precious Jesus, I repent of all my sins and I open my heart to you, Jesus, that you may fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I may live to please you. Mighty Jesus, keep my name in the book of life of the Lamb of God and bring me into the rapture of the church. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed. If you have said that prayer, find a Bible teaching church and prepare the way. Stay in repentance, make sure you are baptized and walk in absolute holiness. He is coming soon. Prepare the way. Isaiah 40, verse 3. Shalom. Amen.